Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. Does it say recording somewhere on your screen? It does very bottom here. Amazing. Yeah, I feel like... Um, we probably just did a podcast episode there that nobody's going to be privy to. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I could probably just rehash it. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, it's all good. Um, I'm delighted to say that I am speaking to photographer Stevie Weir on The Bra and the Brave. And Stevie, like, you should have been at the top of the list. Like, how have we not done this before? I don't know, but apologies anyway that it's taken me so long to get But it must be meant, it must, it must be meant to happen today. It must be. Thank you very much for having me on. Um, I don't know why we've, we've not done it before. It's it's not really the best for putting myself out there in terms of this this kind of thing. So I would never have said, "Oh, I'll I'll, I'll do your podcast, Lisa." Um, but I'm 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 glad to be asked, and hopefully I've I've got something interesting to say. Knowing you to a point, I'm like, yeah. When I did ask you, I thought you might come back going, "Nah." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's definitely within my wheelhouse to be like, eh, no, that sounds like something I wouldn't enjoy. <laughs> now I feel the pressure. I'm like, you better be good, Lisa Kennedy. <laughs> better make a good interview. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I massively appreciate it. I have had the pleasure of working with you on a um, on a project which just had created so many amazing memories for me and the Cupcakes My Dance troupe. And um, yeah, just it, just that time is like such a special is kind of special place in my heart for that time. Like, and I, you know, I, mean, I was trying to think. I was like, how did we even meet each other? It was through Jillian. So it was Jillian Badger, who's also been on the podcast. Yes, it was through Jillian and through right. Robert. Do you know my first question for you was why photography? So I kind of picked it up at a time when I wasn't doing much else in terms of hobbies and things like that. I picked it up really quite late. I picked it up in my twenties. Something that I always had a, an interest in and I always liked kinda of like black and white pictures and there's a there's a few, you know, famous photographers and I, I really I really liked their, their work and stuff. And I always thought that that's a thing that I could do, but you just you just never get around to it. You know, and you're, you're you're busy doing other things. So I picked it up as a hobby um and just started to to sort of mess around with it and, and it's I can't it's quite a technical thing, and so I think from my point of view that was appealing because you're using a, a mechanical, a technical thing to overcome an artistic. I was going to say problem, but that's that's not the right word. So I would never, I would never describe myself as being somebody who's particularly artistically talented, um, but I'm quite aware of it. My dad's an artist. My dad's an art teacher. I grew up in that kind of environment where he was he was painting, um, painting and drawing, but I would I wouldn't. This is going to sound something it's not, but I wouldn't say my dad's a particularly artistic person. He's incredibly talented and he's quite methodical mm. when it comes to his 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 his, his work, his painting. Um, he's did a lot of photorealistic work and watercolors and, and stuff. So there's an, it, it, I mean, I've never known him to be doing the big spirals and swirls and splashes of paint and all the rest of it. But if you if you gave him a photograph of a landscape, you could replicate that down to like a, a minute detail using a variety of, of different techniques and things. So I think that stood me in good stead when it comes to like composition and stuff. Like your basic your basic competitions, your yeah, not competitions, composition, your rule of thirds and all that kind of thing. That's how I see 
which makes that aspect of photography less difficult. Got so you. I kind of see in that sort of way where things look aesthetically pleasing. The, 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 the use of like the camera overcame my inability to draw because I yeah. can't draw at all. Like I inherited none of that, like not even a little bit. And and, and to watch somebody like like my dad and, and, and any any artist really, to watch them do something and it looks so easy for them. Like if you're watching somebody paint or draw and you're just like, How 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 can you do that? And I think it'll be a rare person that'll be able to tell you how they can do it. They're like, I can just I can just do it. It's yeah, like somebody it's who's a really me. talented music, musician. They've done all the work. And it's like I can just do this now. But um, then someone would say that about you watching you work. That how you how can you capture that like that? You know, it's the same thing. It's just you obviously have you've kind of maybe put it in a different compartment to maybe your dad's art because it's pen yeah. and paper. But you're and yeah, I know you're using obviously something that's technical. You know, a machine to an extent. But there's obviously skill and talent and ability in being able to capture a moment the way you do. I think I think so. Yes, I'm grateful for the fact it's a it's a it's a medium that overcomes that inability to draw. So I can see the end result that I'm wanting to achieve, mm. and I like know how to get there. Whereas before, I didn't know how to get there. Got you know, okay. You know and I mean? that, was that just purely out of like trial and error, like picking up a camera and just doing it, yes. learning as you went? Aye, my 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 particular personality. Um, when I get into something, I get really into something. And I kind of, like, I spend a lot of time on it to the point where it could be described as obsessive. Um, if I get really into a thing, I get really into a thing and, and I do a lot of research and I, and I learn a lot and it kind of consumes quite a lot of my time. And that's that's definitely how it was with photography at the start. And I don't want to say it was at the start of, but it was definitely around that time where things happen, happening on the internet became a lot more from my point of view, community-based. So you could share stuff online yeah. and there was this sort of community of photographers, not professional, amateur photographers. There was there was various there was various websites. There, there was there was one I've not thought about this for years. There was one called Blip Photo. B B L I P F O T O. And I've got no idea whether it still exists. It must, but I've never looked at it in years. And no it was um it started by, by a boy in Edinburgh, and I think he was either in IT or he was a professional photographer, I'm not sure. But the whole premise was you took a picture a day, and yes. just one picture, and you uploaded it. Mm-hmm. And um, there was like a wee comment section, and it was it looked very much like how dark mode looks now on Apple devices and, and Facebook and all that kind of thing. It was that kind of grey and white and, and, and nice muted tones. Um, and some people used it as like a diary, other people used it for, for other things, folk, folk dipped in and out, and there was this wee sort of community, but an open community. So it wasn't like Facebook groups where you can't see any of it. Everybody oh, can see yeah. any of it all the time. And that was a really encouraging place. It was a bit like Flickr was this, the mm. similar thing, but much bigger and used for different purposes because you could just, you just put everything there. You just, just dump all your holiday pictures there and you can share it with your granny. That kind of yeah. thing if your granny knew how to work um, a laptop. But you felt you were interacting with actual people because you were going to interact with actual people. Mm. Um, so I did that for a long time. 
just as a hobby, I did not long started working in the police at that yeah. time. So that kind of changes a lot of a lot of your day to day stuff. Um, because you're working with shifts and it's it's you're maybe not getting to interact with your friends as much because you are working night shift at the weekend. Oh, you're, you're doing that in social hours and stuff. Um, so I did that for ages, and eventually, like all these things, you should just kind of like f- fall away from it. When we're finished here, I'll Google it and I'll see if it still exists <laughs> because all my pictures from that time will still be there. Gosh, I would imagine that'll be so interesting. It's still you'd there. I'm going to check as well. Back, <laughs> be able to go back through and, and you, would, you, would, you would find them there. Was there like a pivotal moment or was it a series of events that led you to pursuing photography as your profession? Is it a series of events? I think it is for most people. So if you if you take take pictures as a hobby and you get like remotely good at it, sooner or later, in my experience, for most people, a friend of a friend or something who is getting married but doesn't, doesn't have a big budget or doesn't want to spend a lot of money or it's just a wee thing, ask you to take pictures of a wedding. And you think, I know well, that's fine. I can, I can, I can do that. And you do that, and you think, oh god, I'm never doing that ever again. That was horrendous. <laughs> and then a wee bit of time goes by, and then somebody else asks you, and you, you, you do it again, but you, you, you go in with a little bit more preparedness, and you think, oh, that wasn't quite so bad. And then the third person pays you, and you think this could be a thing here. <laughs> so that's yeah. how that went. For me, anyway, and, and I don't know if it's if it's the same for 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 a lot of people. So I had did three or four weddings, and then you put your, yourself together a wee, a wee website and a wee Facebook page and, and and that kind of thing. And then if you if you get lucky, you start to get more clients to become at that point. And I was quite lucky because I was in the police, so I did a lot of weddings of cops. Of course, yeah, yeah, because yeah. that's how they find you. And there's been a few cops that I've known who's who've done photography as a as a sideline as as a hobby. So I had an access to a relatively captive market mm. um, who all like a good deal. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I did a, I did a few cops weddings, and then there was one one wedding I did in particular where I thought I could do this. Like I I could I could do this. And it was like a big it was a big full on all day wedding, but. A proper wedding, for want of a, a better a better phrase. It wasn't it wasn't like a smaller thing, it wasn't a low key event, it was going for like friends of a friend. Um it was somebody else who worked in a different office who had heard my name, who had asked me to do it, and I did it. And it was it was a case of I I can I can do this. Mm. Um, but it's like taking that like your essentially what was a hobby to another level, I guess, especially if it's um somebody's big day and you and I were speaking about that prior to recording like the responsibility of that and you know it's like you are the keeper of the memories <laughs> the capturer yeah. and keeper of memories Aye. that's a huge huge deal like I think it's one of the biggest days in somebody's life that and I think like I don't know anybody that's had a wedding and not had it photographed I mean not a lot of people necessarily go for videographers it's a huge thing so I, I can understand why the first time you were like, never doing that again, because it must have just been like so overwhelming. Yeah, yeah, totally overwhelming. Um, I I'd shot, I shot my first wedding, having only ever been to a wedding once before when I was five. Wow! You know, so I'd never actually. What happens at weddings? Yeah, I like that. Genuinely, that was a conversation I had with somebody beforehand. Like I didn't know. I'd never been to a wedding. Um, where I was in the page boy, 
Ah, it was really overwhelming. It goes, it goes by really, really quickly, and you need to, you need to think on your feet. And I think one of the reasons why I've, 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 I've done well, I've done all right at weddings is, is that ability to think on your feet, to make a decision at the time. And I think that that comes a lot. Of that comes from your personality, but a lot of it does come from the time and place. Not that wins. Wins not 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 pressure in the sense of some of the situations that you can find yourself in a job like the police or you know fire fire service or that kind of thing. But there is there is something riding on it. You know, like you need you can't you can't just do it again. No, could you just do all that again, please? Aye, that'd be your worst nightmare. You wake up a cold sweat. Think about that. Um, so so yeah so I I definitely found that my ability to deal with people and the way that I deal with people is at least half if not more of what you're paying your wedding photographer for. Yeah, taking pictures is is as a as a small part of that. I think interesting. So pursuing that as a profession, you know, it started off as your hobby, as your passion. How do you keep? that passion for the photography alive when you're like it's you know, a lot of it's surrounded in the business aspect of it and keeping clients happy and and you know nailing it type thing like how do you for you your own kind of creative self keep the passion alive i think you definitely go through peaks and drops and, and i would be i think folk would be lying if they said they didn't you know if you've got a really really wet day which we do get a lot in Scotland, and you're in a venue that's maybe not the nicest inside, you need to work hard at that. Do you know? Like, you can't just be like, I'll just, just turn it on and I'll be fine. You need to think, right, I have a responsibility to these people to do a good job. Mm-hmm. And then you need to work your way through that. And, and you can do it in a variety of different ways. So you can do it through meticulous research which I, I, I've, I've done that myself you know you've, you've looked at other people's stuff and it's not a case of copying um, but you draw inspiration for the things that you see around about you and you see a really clever idea and you think hey, I'm going to need to find some way and incorporate that in my own work and, and make that not my own because you don't own these things but to, to, to bring the way that I like to do things to that yeah, it's I, interpretation yes interpretation that's the right one and I, I, I get a lot of, I find those ones more, possibly more rewarding. You're uh, dealing with somebody's wedding, so you don't want to say one's better than the other and all that kind no, of thing. No, but I understand. A, a day where, where you've maybe felt like, right, this this is going to be harder work than a nice sunny day on the banks of Walk Home. And a lot of the work's <laughs> done for you there. <laughs> like, you just need to make sure that you don't mess it up. Point and place. Yes, <laughs> but if... If you can bring whatever artistic eye that you that you, that you have to a hotel room mm-hmm. somewhere, and the way that the light is, and and the way that you can position things, and you know you move the furniture round about, and you create something out of, in all honesty, what I would imagine most people would see is nothing. That's really rewarding for me. Yes, really rewarding. There was there was a wedding recently that. Um, I've taken one of the, my most favourite pictures I've ever taken on a really, really rainy day, rainy day that we didn't get inside at all. I saw something and I was able to make it happen the way that I wanted it to happen, which was quite, it was really rewarding. It was also really reaffirming after having been effectively laid off for 18 months. Yeah. You know, like, so you need to come back 
firing on all cylinders. You kind of just like you know mail it in and slow walk your way into your wedding season. You know you need to be you need to be ready to go and you need to be prepared to do like hard yards. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, that must have been really rewarding then in that sense because there would have been all the kind of trepidation about going back to do it and. You you must find that as as well actually in and kind of your your line of work and even the podcast as well. It's like a lot of the success of whatever thing you are doing depends on how you engage with the people. Hundred percent. Because your ability to dance is the same, and your ability to, to teach is very similar. But you need to get these people on board. Yeah, you're predominantly taking pictures of weddings that involves yeah. humans, and and I you know and I. Not abnormal situation, but not we're not all kicking about going to weddings every day. So, like, there's so much emotion attached and so much effort and energy put into this one day, and you're going into that. And I guess that there'll be a lot of kind of stuff in advance, like preparation, speaking to clients, getting a sense of who they are and what they want. And I mean, they've came to you because they love your photography. They've obviously seen what you've done before, and they're like, "We love your style." But again, there must be that aspect of like dealing with people before on the day and afterwards like it's a process where you're like this is my work this is what I do I can't like start photographing like somebody else like this is my style this is my thing but I need to know who you are to photograph your wedding yes I definitely there's a lot of chat in sort of various photography like circles and communities about finding your ideal clients and things and I think a lot of what you put out in the world does that for you like you're you are website effectively filters your clients for you it, it, it brings in the people who like what it is that you do and that's not to say that other other work is, is vastly different from mine it's better or worse you, you, you like the things that you like yeah. and they will probably be able to deal with people in much the same way that, that I do in order to get that but I, it is a case of finding a way to jail with people mm-hmm I, I always describe it, and it's just going to sound quite cool, kind of colloquial, but so I need to keep people on side. Well, clearly that's why we ended up doing what we did. I mean, you're also a very generous person, but that aside from that, that's how we created what we created together because yeah. of your ability to just work with people really well and just communicate yourself and make people feel at ease. Yeah, like you, you, you'd nailed all that before you'd even like take one picture. Yeah, and I think that comes through working in the place. I think that all rolls back to that, being able to walk into what is maybe a really tense or really difficult situation and think, right, how can I get the outcome that I, that I want or I think or should happen here? Yes. As quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. And it's not everybody likes getting the photograph taken No, either. no. Like, like the vast majority of folk would rather not bother. Yeah. In yeah. my experience. Uh-huh. So, and then they go all awkward, do you know what I mean? And yeah. it's like, that kind of Chandler smile yeah. thing. Uh, <laughs> you're like, just just smile normally. Aye, <laughs> uh, so I, I mean, your, your process evolves like as you, as you go along and you mm. kind of find ways uh, around that to make people feel more comfortable. And I think if I'm confident, other people will be confident in me. I have to get people on site all the time. or You know, I do wedding couples, but it's like that there's always one person that's totally not up for it and the other person's booked it. And it's like, this is going to be great. This is a doddle. We've got I mean, this. No bother. I mean, that could sum up, like, wins in a, in a nutshell there. So <laughs> somebody who's a little bit more in there than, than somebody else. And that is not, not necessarily always the way that you think it would be. Um, yes. So, I, so I, I need to, like, I like to figure that out quickly 
tailor the way that I'm speaking to whatever situation that I'm in. Like, I don't speak to the mother of the bride the same way that I speak to the groomsmen. You know, like, because you need to make sure that everybody's playing the same game. Um, and I, I think that's that's a an ability that I've 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 developed over time yeah. is that ability to sort of change my register and and get the best out of whatever situation I'm in at a wedding. Totally, and Absolutely. people will do a lot more for you, and they'll become a lot more on board with the thing if you can keep them on side. Mm. You know, and yeah. th- there are occasions where you're making somebody do something that they don't actually want to do. The, the kind of prime example at a wedding is like the family pictures. You know, like if you if you lose the reins on that, it has an adverse effect on the rest of the day. Everybody's been to a wedding. Everybody knows what the family pictures is like. Nobody's really that in, in it at the time, but it, it kind of has to get done. So I really like to get it done quickly. I like to get it done early, and I like to send people away and say, thanks very much for your time. I'll catch up with you later on. Yes. And then I usually get that back later on in the day because folk are like, that guy's all right. You're like, yes, I yes, am. Yes, I. So you can, you can, and, and then you deliver a, a, a series of pictures at, at the end of this. And folk are like, I didn't know you took that picture. I remember getting our wedding photographs back and feeling that exact same. And that must be such a reward for you when people are just like, because I think a wedding's such a fast day, especially for the people that are getting married, that they miss quite a bit of the day. There's aspects of the day that they're not even involved in because they're away cutting the cake out, do you know what I mean? So there'll be elements of the day that you've captured that they've not actually seen happen. People laughing, people hugging, people, do you know what I mean? Like moments that you, you've you just managed to to capture and it's like, that was your day, that was happening. You just maybe didn't see it. Yes, aye, that, that, that's probably a good way to describe it. That, that was your day. And your time's not your own as a wedding couple because you're getting pulled in so many different directions with so many different people. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's the venue, there's me, there's all your pals, there's all your family, there's the band, there's you know, like there's there's a lot of people pulling on your time all day, yeah. and it can be really really overwhelming, like super yeah. overwhelming. You can sometimes see it happening, and you'd be like, right, um, why don't we just go away for ten minutes? Yes, you know, and I'll like maybe take my way, and I, and I don't really necessarily take that many pictures at mm-hmm. that time. I like to give folk these wee pockets of time where they can kind of gather their thoughts a wee bit and then get get, get back into the free, as it were. Yeah. Um, I think it's like such a special job that you have in that sense because you're capturing one of the biggest days in people's lives, you know, because they're not necessarily able to take it fully all in that you are, like I was saying at the start, like that kind of like capturer of memories because photographs have so much meaning and kind of emotion behind them for people like we all have the photographs that we have in frames that we go back to that you know and not to be morbid but like the people that are not no longer here in photographs you know especially from weddings as well yeah i mean it's a it's a privilege um like to be able to do it for for a job to get money out of it um the fact that you can make money out it allows you to do it does that make sense of course yeah um so allows you to, to 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 take these pictures and, and create these memories and, and I do make a concentrated effort not to be morbid but to take those pictures that you will look back on and think I'm glad I'm glad that picture's there somebody hugging their granny you know that, kind, that kind of thing that, that's a that's, that's a, a brief setting um, you always need to be ready for it 
you kind of need to anticipate it a little bit. Mm. You see it before it happens. It's, it's outside and do Jedi. Um, <laughs> you get your radar on. <laughs> Everyone's unique. Everyone's different. Yes. But they do follow similar patterns. So you can kind of predict, right, at this time, this is probably what's what's likely to happen. Mm-hmm. And you can be ready for it. Um, and I was worried is not the right word, but I was pleasantly surprised after, you know, 18 months of not really shooting that many weddings that it was actually quite easy for me to step back into it. Mm, yeah. To see it happening. It's an eight in you now. You've done it long enough. Yeah. And I think these slightly smaller weddings have helped that because they are a bit more intimate and people have a bit more time um, with yes. with their guests, with their immediate family um, that they may or may not have seen all that much. You obviously don't follow every kind of client on, on social media and I think Instagram's the kind of main driver there, but you do um, end up seeing the pictures that you've taken pop up on people's social media. You see it on Mother's Day, you see it on Father's Day. These different times you kind of see the images that people choose yeah. to share. And a lot of times it's maybe the more kind of formal sort of, you know, bride than your dad type thing that you've, you've, mm. you've taken that picture on purpose, you've made that picture happen. But yeah. then a lot of times, isn't it? It's, it's, the, it's the wee looks in between. My, uh, so I, I, shoot, I shoot these weddings and then I come home and, and Becca usually looks at, looks at the pictures. And the first one that she always looks for and the one that she likes the best out of them all is when the father of the bride comes in and sees the bride for the first time. That's the one she always looks for. And it's not a manufactured moment. No, it's not. But occasionally you need to orchestrate it. Yeah. Because people left their own devices would kind of maybe just wander in and all the rest of it. So, so you need to sort of, you're not staging it, right? It's not a posed thing. No. But you set the stage to allow it to happen. Because you know it's going to be magical and it does. Aye, because I know that, that that is an emotive picture for for anybody, for everybody. Of course, um, yeah. I remember Josie's wedding. Yes. Her, her, her wee dad. <laughs> I know. Her wee dad like, just could not keep it together. You know? I see that so often, like people's emotions just running away with them as well. like And, the, and catching them off guard, like the most stoic of people. Yep becoming dead emotional in this huge day it's yeah and like you're saying it must be like it's like a privilege to be yeah. witness to that i mean nine times out of ten it's it's the groom that'll greet not the bride coming down the aisle yeah um i think the bride's a lot more prepared for it generally oh i know i get all the way down i had a big massive vein that pops out when i cry so it's dead attractive in the first cool. few photographs of our ceremony until you get a hold of yourself um <laughs> But I, so it's generally speaking, that, that I think it gets quite overwhelming for the groom a lot mm. of the time because they maybe haven't done as much work. Like they're not aware of things as much as the bride is. They haven't haven't had such a, a strong hand in the planning. Mm-hmm. They've just been told, right? You just turn up here. Um, <laughs> We're best turned up. I and then they're not. You see the enormity of it hit them, like in that moment just before. <laughs> I it's a, quite a life affirming thing shooting weddings. Has there been like particular images? And I know you're saying you know you don't have your favourites, and like every wedding's unique. It might not even be a wedding, but have there been particular images that you've been able to capture that have stayed with you? Whether it's the image itself or whether it was being part of that moment that you're like, oh, if I could always hit that feeling or nail that that type of image, I'll be happy. Yeah. So the father, the father of the bride, one coming in, 
is always a kind of a main one, right? The, 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 there's images I can see when I think about that. Maybe about half a dozen that have stuck with me because of it's such a it's elicited in such a good response, and technically the image has been really good, okay. which is another aspect of it for for me. There is the this emotive picture, but sometimes the, the room that you're in is really nice and the light's really good and everything just like comes together to this point where you're like, right, that is as good as I can do for that particular thing. Um, and then you've got other images where you've made that image, that's the, that's the, like, the kind of artistic thing about it. Like you've seen a pocket of light in a corner of a hotel room that nine out of 10 people wouldn't see. Yes. You know, and you're taking this picture here and you, 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 you folk are a bit like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, Trust you me. You just wait. So they are really, really rewarding um, because you've done a thing. Mm-hmm. You have made a thing. That's that's a lot of the artistic thing. Like, let's keep it fresh for you in that sense. Yeah. Because every venue and every location is going to present that potentially that opportunity that yes. you've you've not had before. Mm-hmm. And I think to go back to to go back to an earlier question that I, I didn't really f- fully answer um, in terms of keeping things things fresh, you've got a portfolio of work. Somebody's booked you off the back of that portfolio of work. So certain images they might expect to see or to see in a certain style, you know, like that's the kind of thing that they like. Don't really like a lot of post pictures, like ones of maybe the couple walking, speaking to each other, that kind of thing. So you're shooting. I'd say 80 to 90% of the time for your client. What does this person want to see? And then you need to do the rest of it for yourself. And that's the time when you can try new things, you experiment a little bit, and it doesn't always work. It doesn't always work the way you thought it would work. Mm. But you still get a result out of it that's like, yeah. like I didn't know that was going to happen. I'm really pleased with that. So you need, I think, I think personally for me, like I need to do that. Yeah. In times when I don't do that, for whatever reason, through circumstances, through, um, I mean, weddings don't always run to schedule and that kind of thing. You don't always get the opportunities that you would maybe otherwise want. Um, we're, we're in Scotland here, you know, you, you, put, you pay your money, you take your chance with the weather, like it's raining right now. So it's then up to you to choose how you want to deal with that, you know. Like, you can make really, really good things happen. Mm-hmm. And you reap the rewards of keeping people on site when it comes to that because they're more inclined to trust you. Yeah. You're like, like, you do that wee experiment. Aye. In terms of being a creative, not not necessarily just from a selfish point of view of, like, I would like to play about these images in this space with this idea but also that it keeps your creativity flowing to then produce the work that you produce for your clients. Like, it'll feed back into those tick box images yeah. that you need to get. Like, if you were just doing the bog standard and that was it and you weren't experimenting or playing about, it necessarily wouldn't always be the best outcome. I don't think I'd have been doing this as long. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, of course. I'd have found something else to do. Yeah, because one of those images that was an experiment, that might end up getting you a wedding. Because huh? somebody's seen it and went, yeah. oh, I, I just love what you've done there. And they not necessarily want that picture, but they just love what you've created. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, and then things that you experiment with that you can, you start to incorporate that in your your, your more regular mm-hmm. routine. 
it's always difficult using using language like that because weddings are unique and individual. But there are certain things that I like to do. Like it's to in do. your armory. Yeah, my bag of tricks um, <laughs> that you can use to sort of to, to 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 really good effect. And I think when you start to overuse them, then then, then that's when I think you can go down the wrong path. I think you always need to be. Yeah, you always need to be trying new things, I think. Yeah, I think any creative will, that'll resonate in terms of like you need to be always learning, keeping your eyes and ears open, just experimenting. Things will work, in inverted commas. Things will not work, but they'll produce something or a lesson that you'll learn. You're like, well, I'm not doing that again, or or, Or I could do that. I could do this better. Yeah, totally. I think that's the important. It keeps it fresh for you, and then it means you're going to produce the best work for your clients as you move forward because you're it keeps you interested you're not just gonna be like this is just a job yeah like i think you're you're dead more if mm. wedding photography is just a job because it's, yeah. it's not really because you need to be so adaptable in a way that you wouldn't if you were working in an office you know type things run on you're working weird hours you're you're, you're traveling a long way mm-hmm. like you might think you're only finished at a certain time but stuff doesn't happen the way it should um, you can't be right. Well, that's it. I'll see you later, guys. <laughs> yeah, totally. I've just no captured like uh, the first dance or the cutting of the cake or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. No, you need to be so much more more flexible. I think. Mm. And outside of your wedding project, I know that's obviously predominantly now what you're doing. Do you get the opportunity to work on projects sporadically that aren't weddings? That kind not of- not not as much as I used to in the past because you've only got a certain amount of time mm-hmm. in the day. And there are other things that you, that you like to do. Like at one time, photography was an all-consuming hobby and, and passion. And I think, I, personally, I think if I was to do too much outside of weddings, I would maybe burn out. Like I'm just thinking back to that project we did. So we did a collection of pin-up postcards um, for a couple of charities. And I just, like now, like years down the line, I'm like, I must have bombarded you with information. Like you must have just been like, there's another message for Lisa. But it was like, you know, because we were so excited about it and it was like trying to nail it and get it right. And then obviously you were totally on board and making it happen. But And as somebody who really cares about their work and was making sure that everything was spot on, like thinking back, I'm like, you're probably like, geez, oh, this is so much work. Well, well, well not really, because I enjoyed that part of it. Mm. Like that planning aspect of it was part of the whole thing for me. Mm. Carrying a, a thought process right through to the end. So to the beginning the end, that is you know, one enjoyable thing. Like, and it was like it really was an enjoyable process. Like, we all just loved the whole thing, like the lead up to it on the day, like after the fact. And then, obviously, we were lucky enough because you made it happen to to have like almost like an unveiling, an exhibition mm-hmm. of the images. Like, that was so special. Like, we could never have afforded to do that and make that happen if it hadn't been for you and, and everybody that supported it. And it just it was incredible. We could tell that everybody that was involved was enjoying it. So it was like, yeah. we're all in this together. We're yeah. making this happen. It was really, really cool. It's like such a special thing. I think, I mean, we were all really invested in that project. Um, and obviously we had worked together a little bit before that. Was it right. before? It was before, was Yeah, because we'd done the, the recreation yeah. images, which was great fun as well. Yeah, but that was a very different thing. Yes, it was. Because... You're doing a lot of thinking on your feet and, and all the rest of it were turning couches upside down and, and, all, <laughs> and all that nonsense. But it was like something that you had seen. You're like, how do I do that? 
how close can I get that to that? Yeah. Whereas the the, the pin up thing was a little bit like it was yeah, new. Could have done, done anything. Like nah. it was up to us. Like yeah, yeah, it was it was new. It was hmm. um, ah, it was it was really enjoyable, and a lot of that thinking on your feet. Like, does this work? No, that doesn't work. We're going to do this. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't. Just put this big light up here. You stand there. No, that's you done. It was a lot, lot more involved in that. Talking about like studio photography in comparison to like the on location stuff that you do more so now, there'll be the same amount of thinking, just different type of technical thinking, I guess, in terms of like setting up your light and your space. Yeah, um, you control everything. The environments, it is what it is. You decide what it is. What is that a wedding? I'll rock up and it's like, right, what's happening in here? <laughs> <laughs> you know, all places a bomb site. You know, yeah. there's like after bags <laughs> all lying about and you know, and all the rest of it. And I, I, I can take pictures in that room and make it not look like a riot. But I can also take pictures in the room that look like a riot. Uh-huh. And they're both good. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're both valid. Well, that's yeah. the thing. It's like, you're, there was an Asda bag at your wedding. Well, the, the, the chaos of a wedding morning is the chaos of a wedding morning. Yeah. Like, it's and not... That's it. You want to capture how it was. Yeah. Like, and, and, and folk, folk laughing and, 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 and that kind of thing, and you taking yeah. pictures of people that they might not necessarily want you to take pictures of them doing. Like, tucking yes. into, into the buffet that the hotel brings up, all the rest of it. But these are, like, genuine sort of non-wedding pictures almost. Mm-hmm. Like... But they're the ones that I think you look back on in X number of years and, and think that's, that was amazing. Or yeah, my, well, my mum and dad's, like, wedding photograph, they've got, like, there's a bottle of HP like, ketchup and brown sauce on their, like, table at their wedding. And that's, like, one of the things that I remember from looking at my mum and dad's album. And another one of all my aunt, my dad's sisters all lined up in the garden because their wedding was in the house. Yeah. Like, they went back to the house for the purvey or whatever you call it. And, um... And all my aunties are lined up in the garden with my mum and my auntie Kathleen's got a pair of bright pink fluffy slippers on. That's, a, that's brilliant. Uh, like, that's the stuff, like, personally, that's the stuff that I would want in my wedding photography because you're like, that was the day. Yes, I, 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 say, I say couples all the time, like, there's nothing worse than a perfect wedding. <laughs> yes. Nothing worse than a perfect wedding. Like, oh, that's then. 100% know what you want. Like, yeah. nothing worse. Like, oh, you get married outside and it rains in the middle of your ceremony. Brilliant. <laughs> Like it's a good picture and it's a strong memory and it's a thing that happened, uh-huh. you know. Like your your perfect American TV wedding scene, and you can keep it quite frankly. Like I like a kind of gritty, real thing that happens. Yeah, because you're real. Mm. There's real people getting married. <laughs> Gen- genuine, genuine, genuine images are. Real. That's what. That's what I like. So there's this. Uh-huh. There's this mix of both of doing the kind of more formal. Contrived is not the right word. I always tell my couples I don't do posed pictures, yeah. but I'll help you out. You know, like a little bit of direction is what what it is. It's it's not it's not posing. It's direction, and then you let folk run with it and go on with it, and that's when you get the best the best pictures. Yeah, and I think it was. I mean, from 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 my recollection, it was very similar as well. When we were working together, it was it was direction. Hmm. Both both me and Matt, um, and you when we were, we were shooting the different setups and things like that it was a very collective collective is, is the word yeah absolutely 
yeah, we we all felt really part of it, and it wasn't just like we just stand in front of the camera and be told what to do. No, like it was like what everybody was comfortable with, and we all came to it with ideas. We'd all done our research to an extent, so we all came with loads of kind of ideas, but we're open to it. Yeah, and that's what made it really fun. Like it was so enjoyable, like so much work went into it, but it was just like I say, it's like such an amazing memory that we've got. I mean, I've still got the photographs up in the room that you kindly gifted mm-hmm. me after the fact, and then. Um, yeah, it's just looked back with such fond memories. It was amazing. You kind of surprise yourself, I think, a lot of the time when you when you when you do these work and these things go better than you had possibly hoped that they, they, they would mm. go. I mean, obviously, like you're saying now, the weddings is predominantly what you're doing. That's obviously a huge undertaking because they'll be like we we're saying the before, the middle, and mm-hmm. the after the fact. But if you had like even like if we we're talking hypothetically, if you had an eighth day of the week what kind of photography would you like to dabble in? Like, is there a project, a specific thing, or just would you take more photographs for fun and what would they be of? That is, that is, that's a good question. Um, I'll probably take a lot more personal work because I don't really have any. There's big sections of my life where there are no images. Right. Because I'm not a person that, that, that takes that type of picture. Does that make sense? That must mm. sound really weird for a professional photographer whose job it is to take these pictures for other people well it must be like a bus holiday to an extent that is kind of how, how I see it it's like uh, I don't want to be casting that big camera about well I've not danced places. for like this last year yeah and it actually scared me at first because I was like why are you not compelled to dance I do it because I'm passionate about it but it, it is my job yes also I do it around people I like other people to be there <laughs> <laughs> so 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 let me ask you, did you think that the whole lockdown thing and, and losing the ability to do what it is that you do, did it make you want to come back to it more or less or the same? I think I've boiled it down to, like, I'll obviously love dancing. I love teaching people. Um, a lot of what I do is about the feeling, like what I get from what I do. So right. I like being creative. So I get the same type of feeling from doing this podcast as I do teach and dance right i like being with people creating stuff making stuff happen so i definitely was keen to get back to doing what i do because i love it mm-hmm. but equally it has presented other opportunities that i'm like cool as long as i can get to do it all like i wouldn't just go i'm not dancing anymore i'm not choreographing yeah. anymore because i know and, and different things but you know choreographing is one thing teaching a dance class is another like they all bring their own things that i enjoy but i definitely was just missing being in a space with other humans making stuff and giving them the space. Like, I like holding space for other people. Right. That's that, that's interesting that you've used it as a wee pivot. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I've been able to explore other things. So yeah. that's, like, boils down to net positive. I wasn't always positive. Like, no, no, you mean nobody could have been doing that whole You know, time. for sure, I wouldn't want to put that out, that kind of idea out there. Like, I'm like, oh, everyone's fine, silver linings because it was devastating but I think everybody to a certain extent has had to try and find the silver linings in whatever way she or form their life has been changed by this like I I enjoyed a little bit of the break because it's a stressful time like wedding season is a stressful time and there was a period of a couple of months where like this has actually been quite a hard, a hard reset it's mm-hmm. quite pleasant hard reset like when wondering about money particularly because mm-hmm. mortgage is paid, there's nothing to spend money on it anyway. Like everybody's in the same boat 
I could be a lot worse off than other people, other people I know in the industry that were that were um, that were struggling, or just more worried about it than I was. Yeah, there, are, there were a lot of people who the enormity of it was kind of mm-hmm. was was a was a major thing. Um, but like getting back to it now has been quite reaffirming. Do you know, yeah. like like you said, doesn't matter how much you enjoy a thing if you're doing it for your job, it's your job. Mm-hmm. And you need to look at it that way to a certain extent. Because, like, I'm not shooting weddings for myself, but I do enjoy shooting. And I yeah, think I appreciate them a bit more now. Yeah. Ah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm not saying that I didn't appreciate them before, but you don't. Things go by you, you know? Whereas now you're, you're, human. Like, you're seeing these positive interactions amongst families and stuff that maybe haven't had the chance to do it. And you think that is, it's quite a precious thing. You know? Life is precious for yeah. sure. I think if anything, we've all learned that. Like just time with people. Yep. Even if you're not necessarily an overly social person, you still require it. Aye, you, you need it. Like we need to be around each other to an extent, sense where we can't mm-hmm. just exist no. on our own. Yeah, and there's like a couple ones that were really hard, you know, like when, when it got really uncertain. Yeah, I think it was maybe the second kind of lockdown where it was just about you're just like, oh, right, <laughs> let's, we'll just hunker down again, shall we? Let's let's yeah. see what's happening. And I think the weather was quite as good at that point, and you know that, that always makes a big difference to how you view, yes. you view the world round about you and, and that kind of thing. Um, and then I think shortly into that, that's when it's like, no, actually, do you know what? Just give yourself a wee a wee kick. I I know from my point of view like I'm tied up a lot in who I am and what I do right. so it's like Lisa the dancer Lisa the choreographer so that it was like an identity crisis initially it's yeah. like what who am I if I'm not doing the thing that I love I've never thought it like that yeah it's like how much of your identity do you do I do I tie up and being a photographer probably not that much probably not that much like I, that's not how I introduce myself somebody asks me what is it I do it's just like oh, I'm self-employed and there are other things that you, that you can you can do and you enjoy doing, and just because something doesn't have a an output at the end, like a a, a product, doesn't mean it's not a creative endeavor. Yeah, yeah. But you can do things that are just for you. Yeah. And you don't need to put it out into the world after that, because that's the thing that I do notice that I have noticed in in that the world that we live in now, and the way that social media has ramped right up it's like if it's not on Facebook it didn't happen mentality of, of a lot of things external validation yes and and I think that's going to lock down kind of has taught me that you don't always need that that's that's really important point to make yeah that you're enough aye don't need to be making stuff necessarily no, all the time no. and and you can do a thing that you you, you you enjoy just for the sake of doing it Oh yeah, I think we all need to do that more. Yeah. I think that there's, there's, there's people maybe lose that a little bit, you know. And subconsciously, that will probably work its way back into your work and be a positive, like have a positive. Yes. Like if you've taken time for yourself just to do stuff, like I, I follow this page on Instagram, talk about social media, and they're always talking about you know just like just make something. Yeah. Don't worry about what it's going to look like or who's. Don't even worry about what you're going to do with it at the end. No, literally just make some for the sake of making it. Like going, 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 going back. Actually, that's 
maybe I, something I've never really realised before. My dad's all, go back to my dad being an, art, an artist and an art teacher and being quite methodical about his process and all the rest of it. Quite a strong memory I've got of my dad drawing, painting, growing up, was he would start something and not finish it because he was just doing it to see if he could do it. Mm-hmm. And like finishing it and hanging it up on the wall wasn't part of it for him. He was doing it because he wanted to do it. Yeah, and then occasionally we try to get him to do a thing he didn't want to do, and you could <laughs> see he wasn't really enjoying it. See, <laughs> do you, like, do you yeah. know? Do you know what I mean? Um, and I, he he loved done that without thinking about it. Like he did, he did a thing because he wanted to do it. The the result was didn't really matter as long as he achieved what he wanted to achieve or learned what he, what he needed to learn. So do you think on that eighth day of the week, you would be doing photography for yourself? maybe it wouldn't see the day, the light of day but it would just be the action of doing it not the result possibly I think what I would do on that eighth day of the week let me think this thought through properly is I would incorporate the photography into what I did photography is my job and turning hobbies into a job can take a lot of the joy out of that hobby for you you know like I sometimes see people that are obviously Photography is a hobby, still writing it, still are interested in what this new camera is and, and, and all that kind of thing. You think, that must be dead enjoyable. Like they've got no pressure, yeah. they're not producing something and you've got obviously the added pressure of producing something for someone else. Yes, so like that ability to not have that work judged. Do you know what I mean? You don't need to put yeah. this perfect thing on Instagram and, and, and all the rest of it and, and to be able to incorporate that and, and the other things that I, that I do, I think would... would I, I probably only do that, actually. I, probably I was just going to say, I feel like I need to like set the challenge to you now, like yeah. do it. Like, and, and, and it's and it's not like so. Just daft things, actually. Now think about it. Like over the course of your life, you do so many different things, right? You maybe get more involved in in different hobbies. For example, for a a while, I did a, I did a bit of bike racing. Mm-hmm. Race bikes, race bikes in the velodrome, right? Cool. That doesn't exist apart from it in my head. Because there are no pictures of it because I never took any. I think I have a lot of to do with digital. But like, if you go, say you got your, your, your mom's house and you dig out the box that's got all the junk in it, that's got all the old photos that you would flick through and like cassette tapes and bits and pieces and, and all this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For all a better word, that is not important really at that time, but it's really important now. I have none of that because I'm much more methodical and focused than that. And the things that I do, and I think that's mm-hmm. possibly that's what I would do. I think that's what I would do, and I would just incorporate more in my life for posterity, for want of a better word. Like so, there's a pal of mine. He's um, writing in motorbikes and stuff, and he occasionally he'll like, he'll like post up this like old photograph or old photographs of his grandfather, his great grandfather, or something like that on this motorbike going this place, you know, and and and. A lot of people think that kind of thing exists now in this social media age, but it doesn't really. I don't think it exists the same way. No. Because none of that's guaranteed to still be there in 30, 40, 50 years. Do you know what I mean? No. All those pictures on your MySpace page, where are they? Like, uh, they, 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 they mean, may or may not exist. Like, grandkids or whatever, I'll find them. Maybe we don't want them to find them, but, um, <laughs> like, that, that kind of thing, that window into your own personal history. Like needs to be left on because there yeah. is this focus on producing and I, I mean, I've done it, I do it myself you know, this quite polished showpiece image 
for mass consumption to represent what it is that I do and, and I could do for a client and, you know, I can give this hero image to this client that looks amazing mm. and, that's, and that's great and I enjoy doing it. And, and when, when I started to get more into doing photography at weddings for businesses, like I was trying really hard to one-up that all the time, like to make that better and better and better. And I still like to produce images like that, but it's actually all the other stuff that's really important. Like all the candid stuff, the stuff that's maybe slightly imperfect. There would have been a time years ago where if an image was slightly out of focus or slightly blurry or whatever like that, I'm like, oh, that's not good enough. Whereas I'm like, if that moment is worth remembering, then then I take the, I, the technical perfection of it is not what is important. And you need to be constant in, in yourself and what you do from a photographer's point of view. Of course. To do that, I think a lot of that comes from experience. But that, you you think back like to some of the images that you love, whether it be other people's work or whether it's images that you've just seen in your past, like things that have been taken to your family or whatever. There'll be images that you love and they're not perfect. No. They're certainly not by any amount of means like technically beautiful photographs, but it's because they captured that like moment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What are you most looking forward to? So I th- I think this period of time is a unique, it'll be unique in our lifetime, I think. It's a once in a hundred years event, right? And and, and it's, it's, it's been tragic in, in so many ways, but it definitely has given a little bit of breathing space, I think not just for me, like and how it might be best to go forward. And mm-hmm. Things that you maybe thought weren't important are actually maybe more important than I thought they were. And I don't want to look back in 15 20 years and regret certain decisions but I wouldn't wouldn't like to think that there was opportunities missed that I would otherwise really have enjoyed that experience and it would have been valuable so I think that's given me a bit of clarity and that maybe maybe your life can take a different path to what you had thought that was the best thing for you I'm looking forward to, to, to that in a way that I, would, I, I didn't before. I don't. I never thought about the future a lot. I don't think about the future a lot. I'm very much of what's happening here, what's happening now, and that's reflected in a lot of what I do, like like personally the things that I, that, that I'm interested in and, and, and that kind of thing. I'm very much a this is happening now. I don't like waiting for things <laughs> that I could do now. What's the point? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm like right. Let's get this show on the road. Um, so I so I'm looking forward looking forward to the future. I do a thing called the hingamajigs. Do you have time for some hingamajig questions? Yes. My first one that I picked out for you is, what is the best thing about Scotland? Because you have obviously seen quite a lot of Scotland. The best thing about Scotland for me is the diversity of it. And that's, I mean, that's so many different levels, like from the fact that you can be in Glencoe from here, it's just outside Glasgow, in about two hours, be on a beach, in about an hour and twenty minutes, like the the, and as a as a as part of a, a small island, the the access that you've got to such a wide variety of landscapes and and things to do and places to see and 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 I'll be honest, don't really take as much advantage of it as as I should. Um, like I live just outside Glasgow. It's I wouldn't say it was particularly rural, but 
just over the back there, it just feels forever, you know. But I can be in Glasgow in 15 minutes, mm-hmm. you know. Like, there's such a wide mix of, mix of people and, and, and things that you can do and things that you can see. And I think that the, the fact that it's quite compact but not overcrowded, like, the mix of things that you can do is... The best thing about the best thing about Scotland, I think. and the fact that you don't take yourself too seriously. Yeah. <laughs> best advice ever given to you? That's tricky. So, like, you get a, you get a lot of advice through different times of, of your life that are pertinent to whatever you happen to be doing at the time. I made a couple of big decisions in the past where you choose to go a different route that you thought you were going. So, when I left the police, that was obviously a major major decision, there's no many, there's more now, but certainly at that time, it's been 15 or more than that, years ago now I left, um, and it was like, you don't want to regret no leaving, leaving. like, you, you need to take those risks, you know, like, it's a very twee answer, I suppose, but that was probably, like, some of the best advice I got was, you don't want to regret no doing a thing, and, and, I, and now, going back to what we say that I've kind of came full circle on that, you know, like you don't want to regret not like missing opportunities. And it sounds like obviously their time in the police has really informed a lot of the work you do now. Like you mentioned it quite a number of times, like working with people and yep. so that was obviously like not necessarily regretting no, in the police. No, I said not regretting regret. leaving either. No, <laughs> n- like neither. Um uh-huh. neither and, and and it's obviously gonna be quite a formative experience. And I joined the police when I was really young. So yeah, I was like nineteen, just turning twenty. When I, when I joined so that's going to be like a really formative time in how you view the world and, and, and all the rest of it and, and one of the reasons that I left was because it was so formative and you're like I don't want to be trapped in this forever because I don't think it's the best thing for me but at the same time it's gave me so many it's gave me, it's gave me skills it's gave me a toolkit I just need to use these powers for good not evil <laughs> so true so true and the question that I ask everyone is because it is the bra and the brave. What is your favourite Scots word or phrase? It's difficult because there's so many that that I, that I use. Like I've got quite a quite a strong Lancashire accent, and I've lived all over <laughs> Scotland, and I've picked up bits and pieces. I mean, I think the the, the one that I probably use the most is "which for you'll no go by you." And that's quite a common phrase that I'll use. Well, Stevie Weir, this has been an absolute pleasure. I can't thank you enough. I'm just excited to see what you get up to next, what you're creating next, and I hope that you find that eighth day of the week where you get to <laughs> capture some photography just for you. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Bra and the Brave, a podcast about people and their passions. Join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests. Bye for now.